Hey everybody, this is Ariel from 3AE, where God is greater than anything and everything. And you're going to see me start this off a little bit more calmly, right? Maybe I'll sound like one of those uh, meditative apps. Probably not. But <laughs> um, I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to take a moment to recall the last compliment you received. Was it on your intelligence, the way you dress, your discipline, your face, your body, your eloquence, your dependability, your character, your integrity, your wisdom, your hair, your singing, your athleticism, your kindness? What was your last compliment about? Now I want you to think of your biggest insecurity. Now be honest. If I earnestly complimented your most remarkable strength, so that thing that everybody talks about, versus if I sincerely complimented you in the area of your insecurity, which statement would make your heart swell with pride or recognition? If your answer was the area of the insecurity, then I have a special message that you're probably already figured out from the title. God is greater than your insecurity. So first off, granted, I don't know these people personally, but I want to shout out to Vars and Safa from Godly Dating. I was listening to one of their podcasts while I was working out. I don't know what it is about listening to other people talk while I exercise, but whatever. I was listening to them talk. I don't remember the name of the podcast. But Tavari said something about Samson, and he was saying, I don't know what was up, but bro, like, were the Philistine women the thickest women in the land or something? Like, Delilah was for real out here asking him what his biggest weakness was, and he was telling her, like, oh, if you do this, and, every, and like, here's the crazy part, like, y'all, he, she set him up. Like, we know this. We know that she would ask him, like, oh, dude, what, I could do, what, what would take away your strength? And he kept telling her, right? But... For some reason, when I was listening to it, like when he said it on the podcast, something else hit in me, right? So, hmm, I just, sorry, y'all, I'm just kind of taking a moment to ponder, ponder this. Like, oh, God, like, I just... Sorry, y'all. I'm just all over the place. I actually try to take notes this time. And, like, I'm trying to, like, regroup myself. <laughs> um, but it made me realize that Samson obviously had some insecurity. I mean, we all have insecurities. But whatever his perceived weakness was, whatever he didn't like about himself, it was inconsequential to God. At no point does God say, you know, Samson had strength, but he also had a huge birthmark or... You know, Samson had strength and, you know, he was never allowed to cut his hair, but it was low-key some fine hair. You could see all of his scalp. Like, there was never any other thing mentioned about Samson except for, you know, alluding to his lust. You know, he was with the first Philistine woman, but God was trying to prepare an occasion against the Philistines. Then he, you know, hooked up with the harlot and then he got with Delilah. And all of these women were, you know, Philistines or somehow, some way associated with them or just a reflection of lust, right? So what I came to realize is Samson has some insecurity that we're unaware of because typically you don't know somebody's insecurity unless they tell you, unless you're just keen on those kind of things. And because of that insecurity, it bred lust in Samson. 
You know, typically it's become a part of the Christian conversation whenever we discuss Samson. We've come to this agreement that Samson wasn't this big old swole, uh, what's you call, steroid looking type of brother. He was probably slim. He could have been lanky. He could have been short. Whatever it was, his strength, his anointing for strength did not match his appearance. So somewhere along the way, he was able to pick up an insecurity that we know nothing about and to feed that thing he turned to women. So what I came to realize, and I guess, can I go ahead and skip to that? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and skip to it. And then I'm gonna kind of just loop myself in this. I'm gonna also read the passage. So don't worry. I'll probably, I'm gonna try to enunciate for real this time. But how do I say it? Like, Delilah knew something intimate about Samson. It was beyond knowing him biblically. It was beyond, you know, their physical relationship. She peeped his insecurity. And because Samson had grown to see his insecurity as the biggest thing about him, typically we exalt or we extol or we magnify our weak point, you know, and God isn't even phased by that thing. Just like he told uh, Paul, you know, my strength is made, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. And God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So wherever your insecurity lies, like God is not phased. Um, and so in that entire exchange, you have Samson being, his ego is boosted. You know, his ego stroked. He has this woman, however she looks, however she presents herself, whatever he finds beautiful in a woman that he's allowed to validate him. She's told him something and it could have been a straight up lie. <laughs> about wherever his insecurity was, but that's what he needed to feel secure. He was turning to women for his security instead of turning to God to also strengthen him in that place that he felt inadequate in. And so just to kind of make this a little bit real or a little bit more real before I read the passage, I'm just going to talk about my own experience. So um, sometimes, despite how I might actually sound in the recording, a lot of people seem to think I'm smart. And I don't mean to say that in like a pretentious or like prideful way, but sometimes people will be like, yo, you smart. <laughs> One of my classmates in college, I guess just to kind of give this, I don't know, some validity, would ask me like why I wouldn't go to med school because a lot of my friends were going to med school. That was a lot of their dream. It wasn't my dream. I don't do blood, y'all, like at all. And no matter how intelligent somebody thinks I am, I low-key just didn't want to be in school for eight years of my life on top of already going through undergrad and then doing a residency, like, or, or whatever it's called, res, what, what, whatever, I don't even know. I don't want to do all that. But my friends would be like, you're smart, you're naturally smart, whatever. But, I mean, I'm kind of used to hearing that. That doesn't phase me. When you tell me I'm intelligent, it's like, okay, cool, great. I don't know what you're talking about unless I end up in a conversation with somebody and I feel like I'm talking to a tree. And I don't mean that in a way to be like insulting, but sometimes it's just like when you, you're trying to communicate and you realize like this person just isn't going to get it. And I mean, granted, a true test of intelligence is if you're able to break something down that anybody, even a child can understand it. So when I have to be more patient, that's like, y'all, God is working on my patience still, but I've gotten better, way better. Anyway, I digress. But growing up, like I said, I'm, I'm used to hearing that. I'm used to that compliment. But I had somebody, I'm not going to say who this person was, um, but they were around me growing up. And I remember they pretty much said that whenever I would, you know, 
you know, fire off some fun facts or what I learned in school that day that I was attention seeking and I was trying too hard to fit in or I was just trying to be seen. And I kind of took that to heart. So it became this area where like, okay, I'm intelligent, but I don't want to be, as I grew up, I don't want to be an attention whore. You know, I don't want that to be the thing that people, you know, are feeling like I think I'm better than them or I'm just, like I said, trying to be seen. So I kind of just settled into this place of mediocrity of, you know, I'm going to be smart enough. I'm going to be quietly smart. I'm going to do what I have to do to get my grade. Like I graduated with a straight up 4.0 from high school. You know, I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to get my fluoride scholarship. I'm going to do what I have to do. But you're not going to get me to do a science fair. You're not going to get me to go above and beyond, like, my own personal things that I need to do to get out of here, right? And so, but, you know, like Jesus said, you don't hide a candle under a bushel. And so I'm dimming my light. And because now I've come to, you know hide this thing, this, this great thing that God has given me, you know, there are people who have learning disabilities or whatever else. And I'm not dissing that, like I'm not being insulting or anything, but there are some people who wish that certain parts of my skill set came easy to them. There are people who practice at this and I'm sitting here hiding it because I don't want to be known for it. But what if that's the very thing that God wants to be exalted through? And so in me trying to hide myself, now I'm looking for something where I can be validated Instead of allowing people to go ahead and compliment and, you know, even give God glory for the gift he's given me, I'm just starting to dishonor it. And so now, like I said, I need something. And now my focus is going to be on my physical beauty. And like I said, y'all, I told you I had a narcissist for a daddy. So that didn't help. Um, <laughs> um, so just craving for someone to tell me I was beautiful, especially a male, to tell me I was beautiful, to tell me that. I was desirable in some capacity. And, you know, like I said, I'm adorable, y'all. But I'm not necessarily, at least I don't think I am. Um, I don't think I'm like the standard of beauty. Like if you saw me, you might think, oh, she's a little cutie pie. But you're not going to be like, oh, my God, double take. I don't think you would. But I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm used to my face. So anyway, I digress. But the point is, now I want someone to tell me about my beauty, And what am I willing to sacrifice for you to validate my insecurity? You figured out my insecurity. You told me everything I want to hear. Now, if you ask me where my actual strength lies, I don't value it. I've been just waiting for you to tell me that I am beautiful and I'm the most gorgeous thing when you walk in the room and mm, 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 girl, you're bad. Good, 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 you fine. Something foolish like that, that now I'm going to sacrifice my intelligence for you. You're going to look me in the face and tell me a lie. And I'm going to go ahead and ignore it. I'm going to ignore your red flags because I have to sacrifice my actual strength for you to validate an insecurity. And the insecurity might not even be valid. It could be a lie from the pits of hell. And now I'm just magnifying that thing and it's not that deep. So even that insecurity that you have, is it really that serious? Is it actually ruining your life like you think it is? Or is it the fact that you're magnifying it that's allowing it to ruin your life? So going back to my relationship with the narcissist, right? And of course, I'm going to jump into the word. I guess this one is a little bit backwards. But when I think back to that relationship that I was in, you know, he struck my ego. He made me feel pretty for a time, but I had to sacrifice my intelligence. I had to act like he wasn't lying to me. I had to act like, you know, maybe he knew something I didn't. I had to 
dumb myself down. And because of that, there was this cognitive dissonance. I started being stressed out. I started losing sleep. I started losing my appetite. My hair started to fall out. I was constantly tired. I was constantly angry. My disposition changed. And so even the beauty that I naturally had, now it's gone. So whatever you were validating that was truly there, or even the thing that you might have been lying about, because maybe you were just lying to me because you knew I wanted to be lied to. You know? I don't know. But I ended up sacrificing... I ended up making my insecurity worse and sacrificing my true strength. And so to even just kind of expand upon that, and I told y'all this isn't going to be a dating thing because it applies to any kind of manipulative relationship or just anything you might be dealing with. Like, I'm sorry, I say like, um, and so, so much y'all, but whatever relationships you're in, whether they're friendships or romantic or however they play out whoever you call a friend an acquaintance whoever's in your circle people should be drawn to you because of your strength not because they want to make it a commodity or they want to exploit it but your strengths are what show people all right that's where they're going this is what they're doing this is what they're good at you present people with your strengths And then as you work together, you can balance out each other's weaknesses. You're not supposed to give a person your weakness. You give a person your strength and they can help build up your weakness. If you offer a manipulative person or another broken person your weaknesses, it's going to come at the cost of your strength. Whatever you offer is free. The secondary thing has a cost. So I know that might sound confusing, but let's say, take one of my best friends. I'm not going to say her name. She knows who she is. Um, But, you know, Shadi's in H-Town, but whatever. Not really. Like, I mean, she's sort of out there. Whatever. I was so corny. (laughs) But anyway, um, that's my homie. Like, she knows my strengths, whatever. Like, it is what it is. And when... I get broken or I'm in my feelings, you know, she knows me for my intelligence. She knows me for my devotion to God. She knows me for spiritual warfare. She knows me as her sister in Christ first and foremost. But then when there's a point where my weakness shows up or there's a point where I'm vulnerable, she builds up that place. However, if I were to come to her first and she was crazy and she was my friend of me, because if you have legit friends, they'll probably help you in this. But still, if... They're not prepared for this. It's still going to be difficult. If I were to give her my weakness, like, bro, I think I'm ugly. I think I'm the ugliest thing in the world. Whatever. She might be able to validate me. But what am I going to also possibly offer her to make sure that she continues validating me? You know? So I hope that kind of makes sense. Because he definitely (laughs) cost me my intelligence. I tell you that much. But anyway... So that's that. And even going back to those weaknesses, we all have a thorn. I'm going to go ahead and read some of those passages or some extra passages, and then I'll actually read Samson's story, right? So let's start off with Paul talking about his thorn, okay? So in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, 
lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, and it might depart that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Some of these things, of course, Paul could have been talking about a person. He could have been talking about an affliction. But he could have been just talking about a simple insecurity. There could be something that you are worried about and the enemy is whispering in your ear and magnifying and making this a really big thing. And I know for me, again, my looks. Having PCOS, I got diagnosed when I was 15, but low-key, I think it was just a spiritual attack. Um, It messed with me. I had the mirrors covered up in my house. I was constantly taking my measurements. I was just really insecure. I wouldn't go into the mall. If I heard people laughing, I would assume they were laughing at me. I was just a really paranoid and sensitive individual. However, you know, I don't think, of course, I don't think that God would send that kind of torment to me. But, you know, there are things about me that might be a little bit weird. Low key, my right leg is kind of shorter than my left leg and it's noticeable if you watch. <laughs> it might not, you know, you can't, I don't look like anything's wrong. But if you watch me walk, you're going to see me drop a little bit lower when you look at that right leg. But, you know, what if that's just to keep me from being too prideful? What if the something that's a weakness for me, God is just like, nah, she'd be too great. She'd get full of herself. So let's talk about what happens when we get full of ourselves. Let's read about Ezekiel, and I'm sorry about like any of the paper rustling that you might hear, but you know, we got to read this word. So in Ezekiel, uh, where is it? Chapter 28, I'm going to read verses 16 to 17, maybe even to 18. Um, so Ezekiel 28, 16 to 18. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Now, when we're talking about this verse in context, you know, this is a prophecy toward the king of Tyrus. So Ezekiel is one of those prophets who's like, all right, y'all, judgment is coming. Y'all been messing up. But there are some scholars who feel like this actual section is talking about Satan or that Satan is the ruler that's operating behind Tyrus. And that's why both of them are getting accused in this section. But what I want to focus on is that it says thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. So even in that relationship where I just wanted this man to tell me I was beautiful because my head was puffed up, puffed it, Jesus puffed up, <laughs> because my head was puffed up, I was acting like I didn't have any sense. I was defying God. I was staying in a relationship I didn't need to be in. I was being disobedient, praying for a breakthrough, but still thinking that I could hold on to this person. And so God allowed some fire to come into my life, not to destroy me because I'm still his daughter, but 
he did allow it to come to break up that relationship and to break up that that bondage I was in. And so we have to consider that. Sometimes we have something that would make us prideful. What if that thing that you're seeing as an insecurity is just the, the thing that keeps you from being prideful? And you're hiding your true light, you're hiding your true gifting under something when that's what is supposed to draw people to you. Stop exalting your insecurity as if maybe if I had this gifting, people would love me and honor me and be in my face. And look at the thing that people naturally, you know, talk about. Are you smart? Are you athletic? Are you a hard worker? That's the thing. It's right there, baby. You're overlooking it. Sister, brother, you're overlooking it. And I'm sorry that I constantly use terms of endearment. I'm used to talking to kids. But <laughs> you're overlooking it. So, and I don't mean that to be condescending either because I let them churn. But whatever. So don't overlook the thing that God has gifted you with. And for me, I have to accept that he's made me smart. And even with saying that, I feel like really prideful. I still feel like I'm being an attention seeker. That makes me uncomfortable. But anyway, let's go into reading some of this story, some of Samson's story. First, we're going to, I'm not going to read the whole story. It's in Judges 16. Um, well, really, it's like 14 to like 16. But we're just going to read parts of 16. I'm going to read like when old girl gets mad because he's lying to her and like when he get caught up. So Judges 16, 15 to 20. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy, thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the Lord of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other... Go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he was not that the Lord was departed from him. So even when I think back to that relationship I was in, right? This guy knew me. I would cry my heart out. I would weep. I would confide in him and I would tell him my triggers. I would tell him that everything that he was doing that was hurting me, he would apologize. And all I did was give him ammunition and then he would bring me another problem. But really, he created the problem. It wasn't just he was revealing that I was in danger. He put me in danger. Spiritually, this man shaved my head. And not just is that insulting in the sense that it was for Samson. Not that it just stripped me. Stripped me of the strength that I had. Stripped me of my covering. But as a woman, you know, a woman's hair is her crowning glory. This man stripped me. The stress literally had my hair falling out. And that's painful. That is very painful. 
Um, and even as a person who, when I first got diagnosed with PCOS, which I don't claim I have anymore, my hair was falling out when I was 15. So you're taking me back to this place where my insecurity was like its absolute worst. And you're acting like you're a friend to me. But whenever something happens, whenever I'm in trouble, I'm coming to you because I trust you. But y'all, low-key Delilah was a narcissist too. So yeah, there's that. But in this whole conversation, what I want you to know is that of course, number one, God is greater than anything and everything. He's greater than your insecurity. He is greater than that thing you think you need because the gift you've actually been given is what is going to make room for you. That is in Proverbs. I'm not sure where. Your gift will make room for you. You will not be in front of mean men, but you have to stop exalting somebody else's gift. Stop looking at your hand and saying, well, my gift is diligence. And like that brother over there, he buff. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lanky. Like this ain't good. No, your gift is going to make room for you. If you try to, what's the word? If you try to bootleg your brother's gift, you're just, you're an imitator. Y'all, if you, do you think that, oh, granted, I'm not into labels, but do you think that the real, like some, a, a real, I don't know, Louis Vuitton purse is going to be in front of somebody with money or a fake one? Granted, if I was rich, I really still wouldn't spend my money on that kind of stuff. But for those people who are like, it's quality. Do you think that they want the real or the fake? Do you think that even if the person, this rich person is like, oh yeah, this fake one is still, oh, that leather supple. Does it make a difference? No, it doesn't stop it from being fake. It could have been a great shoe of a different brand. It could have been the best something, but it just wouldn't supposed to put, you can't put a Louis label on it. It could have been a, still been a great bag. Not saying that like if you're not a Louis bag that somehow you're worthless, but still, you can't be fake. You can't be fake. Even if, let's just do it label to label. I don't know how much these things cost, so I really can't compare them. But if I could, yeah, if you put, I don't know, people constantly arguing about Birkins or something, right? If I have a Birkin and another bag, I don't know, can other label bags get that expensive? I don't even know, y'all. But let's say they do. If I somehow scrape off the label, the, the thing on the Birkin bag that makes sure people know it's a Birkin bag. And I just like tape Louis Vuitton on that Birkin bag. Does that make sense to you? No. Stop trying to grab somebody else's label and hope that they get you get the same compliments they get. That's not for you, babe. It's just not. It's not. Let it go. And just do you. And be who God has made you to be. You're focusing on that other thing the same way that Eve focused on that, that forbidden tree. Your insecurity is the same as a forbidden tree. You're thinking to yourself, man, if I had that thing, I'd be, whoo, I'd be in there. I'd be like this person. I'd be like that person. I'd be like God. I would have everything I wanted if I could just have that one thing, but it's not going to happen. You are made in the image of God already, honey. 
You have something that you need to present to the world and only you can do it. Stop being worried about somebody else's gift. It's okay. It's okay. Learn to honor yourself. Not be prideful, but learn to honor that gift that God has given you. Let's finish up Samson's story. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to just probably read the rest of this. So here we go. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Coming back to my story with my life. This dude, like I said, like he cut my hair in the spirit. Um, my hair was falling out and he plucked out my eyes. It was a very difficult season. I could not see God in it. I felt abandoned, even though I wasn't abandoned. I was the one that wandered off from God. But my situation looked so bleak that I just felt like I just couldn't come back from it, right? But even while I was grinding in that prison house, even while I was working the word, even while I was struggling in that thing and really trying hard to believe that God still loved me and I could be forgiven even as a girl who was already saved and who stumbled super hard, just fell off the whole sidewalk. Um, <laughs> um, my hair started to grow back in the spirit. I started to find myself. My strength started to return to me and it wasn't in a place where people could see it. I might not have, you know, locks that are, you know, spiritually all the way down to my knees or however long Samson's hair was, but even the stubble I had was enough. All right. So verses 23 on. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. So whatever your strength is, you are destroying the kingdom of darkness when you use that strength. You are not a threat when you're worried about your insecurity. Your insecurity doesn't even matter. It's like when you're watching like old TV shows and somebody's up to bat and they'll be like, hey, better, better, hey, better, better swing. It's just a distraction, y'all. Stop swinging your bat at the wrong stinking thing. Anyway, let's go back. Verses 26 on, and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may fill the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there and, and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, 
of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. When I decided to die to myself, that is when I took all hell with me. Now, granted, I'm not saying like I'm dead and I'm in hell or nothing like that. Obviously not. My soul is risen with Christ. But when I died to my flesh and I said, you know what, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do what you do and say what you, you say. What you say. I'm going to declare what you declare. I'm going to be what you tell me to be, who you tell me to be in the image that you made me in. That is when I got into my real spiritual warfare. That was when, I'm, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. I'm going to take a whole heap of the kingdom of darkness down. If they're going to take me down, we're going to fight. Hmm. <laughs> we don't go on site. Like, let's do it. Like, pull up if you want to. But anyway, I digress. And y'all, for real, I got long nails. I wouldn't even want to fight somebody for real. Like, ugh, my nails are too cute for this. But anyway... So, yeah. So what I'm saying right now in this moment is that even as I felt broken, even as I felt blind, even as I probably felt like I was swinging in the dark, God anointed me to fight even in that moment. And some some yokes have been destroyed. Enemies who have been laughing at me, demons and devils who said that I was going to curse God and die and that I was only honoring him because I was behind a hedge. Those demons, oh, they had to eat their words. And what I'm saying right now within your hearing, because we know faith comes by hearing, I'm saying that even in this moment, I am swinging at hell. I am beating on hell's door. Jesus said that I build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail. So right now, and oh, on top of that, Jesus got the keys. So what you're saying is the gates of hell, not only can they not prevail because we know who Jesus is but also because the the gates are wide open they don't even have keys to their own house so what we're gonna do in the spirit is we just gonna pull up come into their house beat them up in front of I mean if they had a mama we just come in swinging I sound so ratchet right now but still you go you go Jesus legit went down there got the saints and came back untouched unscathed and you think that you can't take the fight to hell we are not supposed to be defensive we are supposed to be offensive and right now i am saying i'm declaring within your hearing you might be manifesting you might be in your feelings that i am at your door whoever the demon is that's in you that demon of insecurity that lie that's just been causing you to writhe and feel less than and question yourself i'm at your door that lying spirit I bind you right now in the name of Jesus. Stop talking to them. Stop talking to them. I have a crown in this place. You have absolutely no authority here. I bind you right now in the name of Jesus, and I command you to come out of them. Holy Ghost, I ask right now that you clean them up. Lord God, I ask that you reveal to them their confession in the places that they have agreed with this demonic entity. Lord God, I send this enemy into the abyss right now in the name of Jesus. And I, I ask, Lord God, that your will be done. I ask that you reveal to them where the broken places are. 
what is un unclean, what curses these things might be holding on to so that your people don't continue in these patterns, Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that your people see what you have made them, who you have made them, what strength you have given them, what talents you have given them so that they don't bury their talents in the ground, so that they put their identity to work for the kingdom. Lord, have them fix their eyes on you so they can see what manner of man they are. Let them set their eyes on you right now, God, so that they can see what their strength is and that their insecurity is nothing. It doesn't matter to you. It's not hindering your use of them. It's not hindering the advancement of the kingdom, but their distraction will. Lord God, silence lust. Silence whatever craving they have. Silence it, Lord God. Silence it, Lord God. Hold on. Let me find this thing. God, you're so good. You're going to be free today. You're going to be free today in the name of Jesus. In James 4, 2, it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. You are lusting and you're fighting for something and you're warring with God for something that doesn't belong to you. In not realizing the strength you have, you have been told and sold a lie about this insecurity. That thing that the enemy is trying to tell you, you don't have, you might already have. The same way that he told Eve, well, if you eat of this tree, you'll be like God and God knows it. You might already have that thing that you're sitting there vying for. You just don't realize it. God, show it to your people. Reveal it to them. Give them eyes to see. Don't let the enemy manifest their blindness in time the way that he's already done it in the spirit. Give them back their eyes. Renew sight to the blind, Lord God. Right now in the name of Jesus, do it for me because it's your will. You said, <laughs> oh God, it's your will. I know that you hear me. I know that you hear me and I thank you, Father, that you hear me. And I thank you that healing has come to your children today, that freedom has come to your children today and that they will no longer be in bondage to a lie. Show them their strength. Show them their anointing. Show them the thing that they have been sanctified for since birth, God. Let them see their beauty. Let them see their strength. Let them see their talent. Let them see you and let them realize that that perceived place of weakness is nothing but a connection point for you. Not a connection point for people. Not a place that we need people to, you know, to stroke our egos. It's for you. And God, I praise you. I give you the honor. I give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And in the event that you are listening to this thing and you're like, I don't believe her or she was rambling too much or I don't know what you're thinking. I typically do feel like I ramble, but it's all good. I'm sure you follow me. If you think about like when we used to watch shows on Nickelodeon or a cartoon and the parent might get mad and grab their child by the ear and twist the ear and pull them somewhere. You go in the direction of the weakness. Your ear is tender. 
you're following the parent who has your ear in their hand because you're trying to lessen the pain. The more they pull, you're not going to pull away. Granted, if you can get out of their reach before they grab hold of their ear, oh yeah. But if they already got it, you're going to walk in the direction they lead you. Don't let someone who does not have your best interest at heart ever take hold of your weakness because then they control you and the direction of your strength. Don't you do it. Samson wasn't just whipped. She had him by his weakness. And you can see that in some carnal ways too. You know, you could still see it as being whipped. But however you need to think of it, don't let the wrong person hold on to your weakness. Let God have that. But anyway, I love you. This is longer than I thought it was going to be. I praise God for you all. And God is greater than anything and everything including your insecurity, including your lust. Maybe we'll talk about that on its own whole thing. Your insecurity, your lust, your thorns, your blindness. He's greater than all of that. And he's given you your anointing for a reason. Don't let anybody steal that from you. That is where your power is, and that's what makes you dangerous. I love you. Bye.